This is episode number 93. Are you being busy or being productive? With Steve Gamlin. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we dive into today's episode, I'd like to make a brief announcement and give an opportunity to some of our listeners to share their thoughts and feedback regarding our show. Anything that you might have liked, anything that you want to hear more of, any of the guests that you would like us to interview, please reach out to us through any of the platforms, Facebook, Instagram, or through our website at overcomingodds.today and share your feedback. We would love to hear from you. Also, if you haven't checked out any of our upcoming events, feel free to do so at overcomingodds.today forward slash events. These are experiences created by other community members from the Overcoming Odds tribe, where you will get a chance to hear stories from powerful speakers from all over the country and be a part of breakout sessions intended to help you share your own story and the different things that you are going through at the current moment. Once again, for more information, please go to overcomingodds.today forward slash events. Now, let's get back to our guest. This week's conversation features Steve Gamlin. We can bring in people to teach our team new skills, but when their spirits are burned out, we hire Steve. That was the moment a speaking client recently shared in a conversation. What does Steve deliver? Back to basics positivity and engagement, delivered with enough appropriate humor to keep the audience listening and learning. Are you looking for a speaker who has created success from the ashes of defeat in his own life and business, who can share his journey as a real person, communicating the steps in simple, actionable terms? Do you like to laugh while learning? Steve Gamlin speaks from critical space between personal and professional goals, knowing that true success lies into integration of the two. Without further ado, please welcome Steve Gamlin. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Odds Podcast. Today's guest is someone that I was fortunate enough to meet a couple days ago, and we were having a conversation. Initially, it was going to be 15 minutes, but I think lasted well into the hour. And uh, his name is Steve Gamlin. Him and I connected, and ever since been able to keep in touch and so I wanted to bring him onto the show to share his perspective on life and how he's been able to find different things within his own journey his own story as far as when it comes to this concept of um, staying busy versus accomplishment. Steve welcome to the show. Oleg thank you so much for having me it's great to be here with you. Absolutely it's always a pleasure to talk to you and you know, it seems like we've had so many conversations, but literally this is just one of few. But I would hope that it's one of many in the, in the coming days to come. But mm. I, I wanted to start off this conversation in a slightly different v- view, and that is start off with the story that you initially 
uh, shared with me about this world uh, Guinness World Book of Records. I know I was a huge fan when I was a little kid. In fact, I remember I think I bought maybe even two or three editions. And I remember reading through them and all the things that people used to do. I mean, the number of tattoos that a person can have in their body or number of uh, needles or piercings and things like that. And so I've always been fascinated by that. And I think it's a perfect segue into this whole topic that we're going to get into, and that is accomplishment and, and staying busy. So could you share with us a little bit about what that record was and what your involvement was within that particular um, group of individuals that were able to accomplish it? Yep, happy to. Uh, the name of the company is Athena's Home Novelties, and they're based in Rhode Island uh, here in the States. And about 10 years ago, they decided that they wanted to beat the world record for the longest continuous chain of bras mm. in an effort to raise awareness for breast cancer research and also in the fight against, against breast cancer to raise money as well. And 10 years ago, we had just started working together. They're, one, they're my biggest vision board event client. And they started to collect bras when they had home parties, when they had events, they would encourage people, hey, donate your bras. Uh, they called it the Athena's Cup. And they've been collecting them now for 10 years. And now over the past 10 days, they've been connecting them and putting them in, in sections of 10 and documenting and measuring. And they are, uh, just before we started this broadcast, I got a, a, an alert and through a Facebook Live, I found out that they just set the world record, which had been set for years from Australia at around 167,000 bras in wow. a chain. And they just now broke that record. I got to be a part of it last Tuesday when I was down there for the day, helping with the measuring and the hauling and the, the everything and the documenting, because it's so the rules are so amazingly strict as to how they have to document this and they made it. So I'm going to be back down there again tomorrow, helping to beat the record by as many as possible so that hopefully nobody else will ever want to break the record because I don't know if any of us who are involved want to go through this 10 year process again, it's been grueling for the company, but it's amazing to see how many people got so excited about them setting the record uh -huh. and have pitched in. They've got team members who live out in California now who couldn't be here, who started a basically a Venmo account so people could donate so they could buy pizza and supplies and Band-Aids and all these things to just keep this event going. And what I love the most is they, they never stopped over the course of 10 years. They just kept grinding and collecting and talking about it and, and keeping it top of mind to keep everybody excited about it. And here I am at the finish line. I was there at the start and I'm here at the finish line celebrating. I was very, very emotional about sure. it right before we got on this call. So, um, that's, Super excited about it. And it's a great example of exactly what we're talking about today. That's incredible. I mean, I, I can only imagine trying to count all of those bras. I mean, I, I wouldn't even know where to start. I would get so overwhelmed with, you mentioned yeah. over 100,000. Or 200,000. 200,000. Yeah. I've, been in, I've yeah. been in football stadiums with that many people and I can maybe count 20. And then after that, just a big image just overwhelms <laughs> my mind. And it's just like information overload that's what happens you know in, yeah. in your case in, in this particular example as you were a part of it what stood out to you as far as this whole concept of accomplishment versus staying busy like how were people able to pull themselves and in the analogy that you used prior to it just keep going keep 
keep shoveling the coal and keep going through the process versus just thinking that they're doing things that are necessary towards helping them accomplish that. Yeah. One of the things I think they did extremely well was create a tracking system right from day one. When they first started collecting, they would have a couple of boxes at their headquarters down in Rhode Island Mm -hmm. and the boxes would be overflowing. They'd be going, come on, we need more. We need more. What they started to do was count them and put them in a box of say a hundred at a time. And then they would put that box of a hundred in storage. And then the boxes stacked up and stacked up and stacked up until they had 200,000 of them. But that knowing one, each box contained that helped them to track in their minds, uh, you know, physically, mentally, and emotionally, Mm -hmm. how many they had and how much farther they had to go. So they knew the whole time exactly what they needed. It was never just, we need more. It was trackable. And it's almost like when you see these fundraisers at some businesses Mm -hmm. and they'll have that giant thermometer with all the hash marks, right? You'll be able to track how far you are and how close you got. And I've been getting updates for 10 years. I remember when their (laughs) thermometer was right down at the bottom. And I remember also seeing the day that they had collected enough so that they set the date to be in the park to start actually putting everything together and going to storage and retrieving 10 boxes at a time, another 10, another 20. And in getting this whole system going, but I think knowing that system and knowing incrementally, uh-huh. it helped, it helped them celebrate all of their little milestones and not just be overwhelmed. You know, everybody always goes great guns at first with their goals. And then when all of a sudden it seems like you're not getting anywhere, it can, it can be tough. Yeah. And I mean, especially with something like that, as I was sharing with you before, it, it, it's, it is a challenge to be able to set certain measurements within kind of your time spam of achieving that goal because you don't really know when you're going to hit it and as part of it i notice myself doing this more often than not and that is i'll I'll be concentrating on specific tasks and whenever a task becomes very difficult or something that i've never done before i notice myself that i may diverge from it and all of a sudden i would catch myself grocery shopping in the middle of the day or taking the dog for a walk or cleaning the whole place to yep. you know, the nearest crumb. And, and then I step back and I reflect on it and I ask myself, was that really necessary? Yeah. Did, why did I do that? Did I think that that was still a form of accomplishment? And the answer is no. But in the moment, it seemed like it is. Mm. And so my question to you is, if you've had similar experiences, how were you able to change that behavior for yourself? So instead of being busy, you were still able to maintain this mindset that I need to go through this progression to get to mm. that thing that I'm trying to accomplish. Yeah. I, I seem to remember one time grabbing a flashlight and going into the laundry room telling my wife, I'm going to take the dryer apart and find all those missing socks. <laughs> You know, when, when I wasn't supposed to be taking the dryer apart looking for missing socks, I was supposed to be finishing my digital version of my vision board program. The biggest thing for me, because I'm one of those, you know, squirrel people, you see that, <laughs> that cartoon gif of a dog going squirrel and getting distracted. I'm a classic squirrel person. The biggest thing for me has been surrounding myself with the right people whom I trust to keep me accountable. And that doesn't just mean somebody to yell at me. 
Uh, I've tried coaching like that in the past. I've had accountability partners who just yell and crack the whip, and that's not how I respond. So what I've done is managed to surround myself, especially in the past couple of years, with people who understand who I am and how I am, who break down the tasks with me in a more manageable way and tell me flat out, look, if you run into something you can't do or you don't know how to do before you go make a grilled cheese or look for missing socks, <laughs> reach out to one of us or if we're not available, go look up how to do it. And and we talk when we talk about new things and technologies that might be new to me. It goes back to that movie line, explain this to me like I'm a five-year-old. And so even the most, the biggest, toughest looking tasks, okay, well, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Oh, okay. When you're looking at it in all these little steps, it's Mm -hmm. not quite as scary because I'm one of those people that if I look up and see the whole mountain, but can't see a path to get there, I'm going to go the other way. And I'm going to waste some time and I'm going to hide in the car a little bit. But, uh, you know, surrounding myself with a good, you know, a good network of people who've got the skills that maybe I don't have. And it works as a reciprocal as well. I've got people who call me all the time. Steve, I need to explain this in a way with humor or I need to explain this in a way, you know, a common, simple metaphor or story. And I help them to create those. And one thing we all I think we all do this. We all forget the strengths and skills that we have. Uh-huh. When we see something daunting or overwhelming, I think we tend to play down our actual own power and we we hide it under our hat when all we have to do is reach out to somebody who has those and they will reach out to the one for the ones that we have. So I think it work, you know, everybody has their shortcomings and challenges and ways they get off track. Uh-huh. If you surround yourself with the people who have the skills to help you get back on track, I think you're going to be way ahead of the game. When did that make sense to you as far as inviting other people into your life to help you move forward and accomplish some of the things that you envision? Was there an adversity or something like that you faced within your lifetime that helped you understand that, okay, I can't solve this problem myself. I need other people's input. I need other people's advice. I need other people's help to get through this? Was there a time that you can recall that kind of helped you develop this mindset that you have today? Yeah, big time. In uh, right around 2002, 2003, I had been in the radio industry for about 10 years and I'd worked about 15 years worth of hours and I was mentally, physically, emotionally, I was just exhausted and I was fried and I was married at the time, my first marriage. We weren't communicating well and I was in a lot of debt but I was so frustrated that I used to joke. I said, you know what? The Thursday morning chest pains are starting to happen on Wednesdays. And I just slammed on the brakes without another full-time job. I quit my radio career. Uh, shortly after went through a divorce and found myself at age 35, $62,000 in debt, Mm. crawling home to live with family. I mean, I just broke and just blew it all up. Uh, I don't recommend this by the way, not, not the greatest approach to do things the way I did, but at the time, I had a friend who saw what I was going through and what I was dealing with. And she said, you know, my husband is a life coach and he's relatively new to coaching. Would you like to speak with him? And I didn't really know what a life coach was, but I said, well, sure. It's better than me sitting home here in the dark and wondering what the heck happened. And I met coach Dan, who, who still impacts my life to this day. We only worked together for about a year. But he started to ask me questions and started to ask where I wanted my life to go and started to ask 
some of the reasons why maybe I went down those darker corners instead of trying to find improvement. I just slammed on the brakes and bailed. Right. And he started to he started to show me a different way of thinking about things and that when I got stuck to not just abandon and run because I might be that close to a success. Mm. And it most of it came down to the questions he asked me. And as it turned out, it was exactly what I needed at the time. And even though that was 16 years ago at the time of this recording, that one year still impacts me today. And when I do find myself stuck to think back to what I learned from coach Dan and to ask myself better questions, do I really need to be looking for missing socks right now? Probably not, but it's, you know, but it's a story I can use in my, in my stage stuff because he's actually the guy that, that convinced me or actually inspired me to become a speaker uh, I did stand-up comedy for seven years as well. So every everywhere I've gone since then goes back to what he taught me. And the best years I've had since then are when I surround myself with people just like him who ask me questions when they see I'm struggling or if they feel like I'm a bit unfocused, they may just all of a sudden reach out and say, so Steve, what do you have going on? And every time someone does that, it always leads to something great and it leads to new people Coming into my life, and the greatest example is the past two years with the vision board stuff. The team around me right now, I've never had before. It's mm. it's pretty incredible, and it's and it's brought the best out of me in the process. And if it wasn't for those people, Brian K. Wright being one of them, you and I wouldn't be talking because True. my introduction to you was when you were on his Success Profiles radio show. So here we are. Yeah. You know, I'm a huge believer that you – heal whatever it is that you choose to reveal and i think the more that we choose to put ourselves out there with our stories and especially with our adversities and the things that we're going through the more that we are opening up ways and pathways that we haven't seen to solving a lot of those problems and within that i mean there's a lot of courage that i think happens and develops over time i mean going to someone especially strangers and asking them for help it's it could be a very like you said daunting task because you don't know mm. how they're going to respond i mean are they going to completely cancel you out of their network are they going to spread the message to everyone else within your space saying hey i can't believe this person did this but as part of it the other thing that i've learned is that you never know until you try so and those that are meant to be within your life will be in your life regardless mm-hmm. and so as part of it it's almost better to learn your network as fast as you can and really mm-hmm. be able to understand well am i have do i have too big of a network or do i have just the perfect network where i have deep conversations and deep connections with each one mm. did, did you ever catch yourself in a position where you might have had too big of a network to be able to even understand well do i even have a deep connection with this person yeah, I had way too big of a network for a number of years. I was actually part of a, a major, a, a massive, a worldwide uh, networking organization. And it was BNI, Business uh-huh. Networking International, which, in, and I'm not throwing stones by any means, is an amazing structured way to help grow your business. Now, what I did that may not have been the most effective for me was I tried to meet everybody and I tried to impact everyone's life in a positive way. Mm. And I over volunteered myself in every direction 
always trying to make sure that everyone else was okay, you know, keeping in touch, touching base. And what I found that I wasn't drilling very deeply with any one small group of people. I tried to be everything to everyone. And I burned myself into the ground doing that. Now, the challenge of that is then you start to get, you know, I, I would, I was getting frustrated with other people because they weren't reciprocating the energy. So here I am running around with my head cut off, getting mad because nobody else is running around with their head cut off because they're busy building their businesses. Well, duh, that's what I should have been doing as well. So once I walked away from that, I really pared down the number of people I really kept in touch with. And a matter of fact, I was telling someone the other day, a couple of months ago, I removed about 60% of the contacts in my phone. I had an hour to kill between meetings. And I said, well, what I always used to love to do is just call people. And even if I got their voicemail, I just leave them a funny message or, or uh -huh. just add some positive energy. And I'm looking through the names and I'm thinking, I haven't heard from this person in three years. Even when I was the one doing all the calls, boy, they never called back. So they're gone and that's okay. Uh -huh. I, I chose to honor myself by just kind of bringing the fence in around that group of people that I've got their back. They've got mine. And, and not that I'm saying anybody, you know, it has to be both ways, but I want to honor myself enough to know that the people whose lives I'm impacting the most in a positive way are also interested in impacting mine in a positive way. And boy, that shrunk it right down. But I tell you, this is the happiest, most productive version of me there's ever been mm -hmm. in, uh, in my life. And I'm 51 years old in the past three, four, five years have been the best as an entrepreneur and have brought the best out of me. It's amazing. No, it's so important to do that. I, I've actually had similar experiences in my life where I don't know how often I do it, a couple of times a year where I'll go through all of my contacts. And I mean, as far as even Facebook friends and just I really just trying to understand who is there for me, because I think, you know, there's there's um, there are two things that I'm noticing that happen, especially with social media, is that there's one side and it's not to say one is bad the other one's good it just is mm -hmm. but one will choose to build their network s simply based on numbers and i was the same way i used to think that okay the higher the number the more rounded well-rounded you are and more connected you are but what i realized was that the number it doesn't even matter because so what if you connect with the person but you don't choose to take the next step forward and start a dialogue I mean, mm. it's, it's just a connection for the sake of a connection. Yeah. And, you know, I suppose there's something within our brain that gets released as far as chemicals when we connect with them. It's that I, I think that acceptance and belonging and the fact that you accepted my request makes me feel good. But then beyond that, for me, has always been the question, well, now what? Yeah. You know, <laughs> why did I choose oh, yeah. to connect with them? Yeah. And once I understood that, that's when I just started to, A, just genuinely connect with people that I wanted to connect with and B always took the first approach in sending that first message. And then from there, if people don't respond, well, you, you did your best Yeah. and there's nothing more you can do. People might, I mean, other people also have lives and they might be busy and they, over time they'll respond. But that's kind of what I've learned as far as your network is that I think most of us do go through this, concept of starting so broad and we grew, we want to grow the numbers and I don't know what it gives us but then ultimately at the end of the day I remember a phrase my mom once said is that 
as you grow up, you'll be fortunate to have as many as a handful of people that you can call your friends. Yeah. And at the time I laughed, I was 18 or 19 years old. And I said, how can that be true when I can name at least 50 to 100 people? Mm-hmm. But as I grew up, <laughs> it's like narrowed it down 50 to 20 to 10 to maybe five. Yeah. And so knowing your network and who's really there for you, I think is extremely critical yeah. as, as part of all of that. Yeah. You know, when we when we speak about just network and, and people, what are some of the traits that you look for within others that you choose to have as part of your network? There's a, a, a comedian and a speaker out there. I, I apologize. I don't recall his name right now, but he gave a commencement address and he's, he's got like long dreadlockish hair and he just he does not fit the college commencement. <laughs> uh, you know what you normally would see, right. but he actually gave the greatest commencement speech I've ever seen. And he gave a top 10 list of reasons, you know, things that can make you successful and, and all this and that. And my favorite one, and the one, I, the only one I remember by heart, I believe it was number eight. And he said, if we're in a restaurant and we're talking a business deal, it's going to be predicated on the fact that you're probably the most powerful person in the room, but me signing this deal is going to depend on how you treat the least powerful person in the room, meaning how you treat the wait staff and people like that. He says, I don't care if you're the most powerful cat in the room. If you tweet, treat the weakest one without respect, we're not going to do business together. Mm. And I, what I look for in people is how they treat everyone, not just those whom they're trying to, you know, work up to, but how they treat even the people around them who have the least or may appear to be, you know, maybe work at a lower, um, you know, job type of level. And that's what I love about restaurants. I love to see how people treat the staff. I love to see how people treat uh, janitorial and cleaning staffs because I try to treat everybody with the most, with the greatest deal of respect uh-huh. at all times. And if I see you talking down at somebody or mocking or bullying somebody, we're done. I don't care, you know, what you have to offer. It's not complete and it's not a, it's not a good, it's not good enough. Yeah. If, if you don't treat the people around you with respect, uh-huh. uh, my, my, my dad gave me that. My grandfather gave it to him prior to that. My grandfather was an executive vice president at a, a national linen cleaning company, you know, like work, uh, work uniforms and stuff like that back in the seventies. He was an executive VP, but he could drive around the back of the physical plant, get out of his car, walk through the soil room, which is where the the minimum wage jobs are, and go up to his office. And if it was the middle of July and 120 degrees in there, and they were running behind, he took off his tie, he took off his jacket, he rolled up his sleeves, and he went down and worked side by side with the minimum wage employees and could do their job because that's how he started his career. And never looked down on them. And the day he retired, what he appreciated the most was how they treated him. He was Mr. Bill to them. He wasn't, you know, uh-huh. Mr. Gamlin. It was Mr. Bill. Thank you so much. And that's that's how I try to operate in this world. There's, there's nobody that who's beneath me yeah. um, at all. I there just isn't. I think we're all on the same uh, playing field at all times. And I think... Uh, job titles it's interesting that you mentioned that because i was recently watching a video and it was talking about leadership and um, authority 
mm-hmm. and how a job title doesn't necessarily define you as a leader. So you can be a CEO, but you may not have the traits that a janitor has of a leader. Mm. And I don't know why the structure was created the way it is, as far as the hierarchy within each individual company. It just it was, and but I agree with the fact that you know you don't have to be a CEO to be a leader. I think you can lead from any chair, any yep. position in life. Yeah. As long as you just continue to treat others, just like you said, treat uh, treat others the same way that you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's absolutely true. And uh, I I'm pretty sure it was Mark Sanborn. Uh, I don't know if it was from the Fred Factor or one of his other books. Was sharing in one of his audio books. Uh, he was at an airport, and the this restaurant he was at at the airport. I mean, it was a mess. It had been mobbed. It had papers and trays and cups and dirt. It just stuff was all over the place. Uh-huh. And there was one poor guy slumped over carrying the trays. He was bussing the tables. And Mark just said to him, you know what? Do you realize you're probably the most important person in this room right now? Can you imagine what this place would look like if you weren't here today? I just wanted to let you know that I appreciate what you're doing and how hard you work. And he said he looked away and he looked back and he said the gentleman looked like he gotten six inches taller. Uh-huh. He was walking up straight and he was taking pride in what he was doing just from those kind words of appreciation where most people would probably look at him. And crumble up their cup and chuck it at him while he's carrying a tray. Oh, here, you forgot this. Yeah. Some people would actually do that. And I just love what Mark said to him and the impact that it had. And that had to carry that guy through the rest of that day. And I, I try to follow that example. And wherever I am, pay a compliment to somebody who, I mean, a genuine compliment Yeah. Uh, to someone, you know, hey, love your hat. That is the coolest hat I've seen all, you know, whatever. Just in a moment to just raise the energy and raise the pride and show some respect wh- wherever I am. Yeah, and it, you're right. It does changes. It changes the individual entirely. I mean, when you hear yeah. a positive affirmation about who they are, what they're doing, and and one of the things that I've noticed throughout life is that we truly don't get enough of it, just because mm-hmm. of I think the world is set up, and so as part of it, it's almost like a foreign language sometimes. When you hear those mm-hmm. words, hey, love your hat or love the way you smile or the way you look at people or whatever else. And it's almost like it, it takes people back and they're like, huh, I never I never knew I had that quality within me. Yeah. So I think yeah. helping people understand and see themselves in a different light, maybe even from how they see themselves, I think it's critical. Um, mm-hmm. Especially if you've come to that realization. I think it's the best yeah. – one of the best ways that you can provide back and really give back and be of service to to other people. Yep. Yep. Fine. My other grandfather set the example. He never actually said the words out loud. He was such a simple man. He was a carpenter his entire life. But the example he gave me was leave at least one situation a day better than you found it. Mm. Even if nobody else knows you're doing it. Like if, if he drove past your house, if you were neighbors and he saw a picket on your fence was broken, whether you were home or not, Al Dion, my grandfather, my Pepe, he was on the French side, <laughs> would go home, get his tape measure, pen and paper, come back, measure it, go back home into his workshop, build a fence picket, come back and put it on your fence for you. And you would never know he'd been there. Wow. And and that's an example. You know, two very wise grandfathers. That's an example uh, that 
walks with me every single day, right down to playing shopping cart rodeo at the grocery store. If there's a carriage that's abandoned blocking a parking spot or especially in the handicapped area, because boy, you never know how they struggle to just get to the car Right. to just go a few steps out of my way take that carriage out so that somebody else can have the spot and never think a bad thought about why it's there. And and that's a big thing too, to carry the right attitude into everything you do and to make it a gift and not just a, well, I'm going to do this, but next time, you know, you should be better. Right. You just kind of ruin the gift. (laughs) You know, if you think that way to just do because it's right without judgment. And it, it sometimes it's tough to not judge. But to just do that, and I, I'm I'm just so grateful for the example of these two, both very different gentlemen, my two grandfathers, but the the lessons they both gave me. It's amazing. Final thought for today's episode, and this is a question that I ask all the guests that come out to the show, and that is, who or what are you grateful for today? Today, I am grateful for, and it's funny because I start off every day writing in a gratitude journal. Uh, what I'm extremely grateful for is that we had some friends over for the weekend and we we had not only a great time with them, but helping them with some social media stuff. My friend has his own business and I'm very grateful to all the people who've taught me all the stuff I was able to share with him because 10 years ago, I didn't know how to do any of this. So to every single person that's walked through my life and existence, I'm grateful for all the knowledge they've shared with me, even when they didn't realize they were doing it because it allowed me to turn around and hold my hand out to someone else who's kind of getting started and to help him get three, four five steps ahead uh, than he had been. So I'm, I'm grateful to everybody who comes into my life, drops a little knowledge, drops a little love and, and does it because they want to. It's incredible. Steve, how do people find you and what are some of the things that you have coming up? that people can be a part of. Yeah, you can find me at motivationalfirewood.com. It's actually a brand new site. It's uh, It recently launched and it's going to have my speaking, my books, my programs. The Vision Board program is there as well. So super excited about that. And uh, if anyone has any questions, you can send me a message from the website and I'd be happy to, happy to answer and just throw a little good energy your way as well. Mm-hmm. Why is it called like that? curiosity. Motivational firewood? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, somebody about 12 years ago, I went to a National Speakers Association meeting and, you know, somebody says, oh, hey, young man. And because I was younger then, <laughs> said, said, what do you speak on? I said, well, I, I'm motivation. He goes, okay, you just narrowed it down to about a hundred thousand of you. What sets <laughs> you apart? And I said, well, I'm also funny. He goes, okay, now we're down to 25,000. What sets you apart? And I said, you know, I never tell you how you can change your life or, or you know, hold the hand out like the TV preachers and said, I can fix your life. Sure. I said, what I do is, is I, I'll share some positive messages and stories and examples. And if you wake up the next day and, and you put it into action, I said, it's kind of like I gave you some motivational firewood. You got the spark uh-huh. in your heart of something you want, uh-huh. but you have no fuel to add to make it happen. And I said, yeah, it's like motivational firewood. And he goes, do you know anything about trademarks? And I said, not a clue. And he goes, look it up and trademark that. He goes, I really like that. And so since then, last 12 years, I've been known as the motivational firewood guy. And That's I do incredible. own the trademark on that. 
<laughs> just in case and, anyone and it sets me apart. Oh, believe me, anybody goes, my attorneys will love that. Uh, but it just it really says what I do, and it also becomes a great conversation starter because just like you just did, people often ask, "Wow, that's interesting. What does that mean?" Yeah, and that's so, the purpose. Yeah, I, think, where, I think of, uh, and I love explaining it because yeah, it, it really is who I am. Yeah. Mission is being able to explain and and it really just capture a person's curiosity. Mm. You know, get them get them off guard. It's like, oh, never thought of this, or never thought of this angle before, or this person. So, yeah, um, I love your story. I love your message, and we'll make sure to include all the links and possible ways for people to get in touch with you. Um, Steve, I appreciate you for being on the show. I appreciate you sharing your insights, and um, thank you for being you, most importantly, and being authentic and being real throughout this whole thing. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me on. And I will reciprocate. You will very soon be a guest on my show as well. And I'm looking forward to that too. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our monthly newsletter so you can receive all of the latest episodes featured stand-up and speak-up stories, and ways you can be involved with Overcoming Odds. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we'll look forward to having you next week.